Hey everyone, today I am chatting with Bruin Alexander. He's a writer, a photographer, and just a good dude. He's a friend of mine, he lives here in Whistler. He's got a pretty large following on Instagram, over 100,000 people, uh, basically covering his travels and his outdoors experiences in the Alpine. Hiking, campfires and s'mores, all sorts of cool stuff, and really, really cool photos. And almost more importantly, I find really cool stories to go along with him. He's not a three-line Instagram man. He talks about each experience in depth. So yeah, check him out on Instagram at Bruin Alexander, B-R-U-I-N, Alexander spelt normally. And in this episode, we talk about a number of things stemming from how he went from being a professional hockey player to a photographer and a writer and just kind of the difference between those two lives. We also talk about some of his favorite books and how Netflix is ruling the world and just a bunch of other random stuff. Anyways, let's get right into it. Here's a chat with photographer and writer Bruin Alexander. Live. All right, I'm sitting here with sports writer (laughs) Bruin Alexander. Okay, I've known you for a while now. Yeah. Um, I know you as a photographer and a writer. That's how I'd introduce you. But Mm -hmm. how would you introduce yourself to someone? That's an, that's an interesting question because I was thinking about that actually earlier today and like yeah. you bringing up the idea of sports writer like it's obviously a bit of a joke but I feel like my adult life has kind of been in three segments like it started just as I was like a essentially a professional hockey player and that was kind of what I was defined by then I went to university after that and I was there for about three years started shooting and kind of fell in love with writing I knew I wanted to write even when I was playing hockey so I was writing for sports before I went to school but yeah they've kind of segmented and changed and the people that I've met and like the groups of people that have been in my life have been really really different throughout which I think is something that's that's cool and also I try to try to be as honest with myself as possible about really like what it is that I love like I do still love things about sports and about hockey um I loved university and like what it did for me and and now I do love what I'm doing but I think trying to blend those three things together I want to do a better job of that like moving forward like blending your old life of the hockey and athletics and like more of a city kind of life because now you're known as well a lot of people would find you through Instagram yeah and if you haven't seen Broom's Instagram it's nature photos fires tons of hikes yeah it's very hipster but like (laughs) but it's just the opposite of what you'd expect a hockey a professional hockey player to be doing yeah so you're trying to blend both of those together well i think that's kind of what like has grown into like a lot of what it is outside now is more related to to the climbing and like the alpinism and things like that so meshing the sports but then like you say like i live in whistler now for the last like two and a half years i've kind of been just essentially nomadic and so when you take those things and they were really enriching and great but like the stuff from before like i used to travel around europe and and really enjoy the cities like paris is one of my favorite cities in the world budapest different places that i've been and spent a lot of time and i've found like in the last two years of spending most of my time outdoors throughout the western um continental north america i guess so really down the ridge of the rockies a lot of my time's been spent and um, I want to try to revert back to balancing both of those things because I, th- I think I've realized that I do love both of them and there's a reason why both of them are in your life. So. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar thing when I was addicted to skateboarding when I was 15. Yeah. All I wanted to do was skate and make skate films. And I thought from probably 15 to 17 or 18 that you had to pick a lane and stay in it. You know, I was a skateboarder. No way you'll find me at the gym because that's just not what skateboarders do. And I almost remember being offended when I would see skateboarders surfing or doing something else, (laughs) which is so weird because now I I see variety as key to enjoying everything. But back then I thought it was a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's even I think that's even like kind of a progression like culturally. Like you think of skateboarders and you think of like really any athletes when I was growing up, like you were told you have to pick, you have to do this one thing. Like when you look at extreme sports now, I think one of the coolest things is guys like Sean White really pushed those boundaries and made it like, hey man, like you can do it in the water, on the snow or like on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like people are really drawn to that, like the dynamic of doing a lot of different things and experiencing so many more places in a lifestyle. Yeah. 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 Cool. I don't know if that relates to you. No, it does. Totally. I feel like I'm 
hitting the same way that you are. I'm trying yeah. to balance as many things as I can. Have you made progress in that sense? Because like, right, right now you're living up here in Whistler. You seem heavily focused on the outdoor stuff. Yeah. But I think we were talking on the weekend and you were saying yeah. how sometimes you miss that city life. Yeah. Yeah, like I lived in Vancouver for a little bit before I came up to Whistler. I think I came up to Whistler to kind of settle in somewhere and have somewhere that actually felt like like home for probably the first time since like I was going to school I've basically bounced around since I was 16 living in different places and and so I wanted to have somewhere where I could really settle into because it wasn't that I was tired of travel it was more just like when travel is permanently your life you kind of forget about the the little things that are nice about routine like going to the gym or having a place where you really enjoy working and, and having buddies that you do specific things with and enjoying that um, but yeah, like the city part of it, I think for me, it, like the next few steps are going to be like, Hey, I just, you know, I have a little bit of money. I want to go to New York for five days. Like, let's just do that. That was something that I think I was super keen on doing in university. And now I kind of look at it like, Oh, how's that going to fit my work? You know, how am I going to leverage this or things yeah. like that? But I think career wise, it's just trying to balance what makes you happy. And especially with the writing, if I think that's going to help my writing and if I think I need to be somewhere more urban and learn about it, then it's worth exploring. Yeah. And I think I kind of closed off to that for a long time. Mm -hmm. So for people that haven't read some of your stuff, what would an example of your work be? Like some of the projects that you're taking on right now? Yeah, so I left I left school to work on a book. So that was initially what I was doing. Um, and Did you say that to many people? Why you were leaving? Or did you just say that you were dropping out? So I talked to a professor actually and um, he just kind of, I'd shown him some of my writing and he knew that what I really wanted to do, at least at that point academically, was probably going to law school. So after I finished up my degree, I just kind of thought, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I better keep going. My school was paid for from hockey. And so I just thought that was the right direction. And he essentially said, if you want to be a writer, you got to be a writer or else you're just never going to write. Like if you go to law school, there, there's a quote, if you want to be a lumberjack move to the fucking woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's like, yeah. I don't know. It was one of the, one of the most true things that anyone ever told me. Yeah. And so after that, like, I think everyone who was really close to me knew that's what I wanted to do, but maybe not like the peripheral people. Like yeah. I wasn't telling people I came writing a book. Like, yeah. It takes a lot of balls to say that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that was was funny about it. It takes a lot of balls to like to realize that too. Um, like when I was talking to some publishers, like immediately after that, and uh, they're saying that you got you know there's these different windows, like six months or a year and whatever. And I just wasn't ready. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. good enough yet. And so from there, it was just been it's been a couple of years of just informing writing by living and by reading and doing different things. I really have started to take inspiration from different places which has been super helpful uh whether it's like actual authors um, i started reading a lot more contemporary stuff today so i was totally i went through like two phases one was like the 20s so fitzgerald and hemingway and i was totally obsessed reading everything by them and then i had this russian lit phase where i got really into dostoevsky and tolstoy and they're influencing things but what i realized when i kind of started to go through those um different tiers of authors was that what they were doing well was they were really tracking a time period. So you really felt like you were present in a Dostoevsky novel, which was in the late 1700s in Russia, or in a Fitzgerald, you know. You could be and really feel like you were in, in Europe as an expat and how that would feel. And it, it took that and it took reading that much to make me realize that if I was going to write anything great, I couldn't emulate what they were doing by not being honest to my time period. I had to start romanticizing about things that I found totally unromantic, like yeah. a cell phone yeah. or like, you know, the fact that online dating is like how people meet now. Like those things to yeah. me are super cringeworthy, but they're also super true. And like, if you're going to write a book about now, those things better be present or else what are you writing about? Yeah, but or else you're writing a book on a book that was already written, essentially. Yeah. You didn't even experience yeah. it. It was like I found I found like my lingo and word choice, especially two or three years ago. It was way more predicated on these time periods that I admired and like using like on the road Kerouac kind of tones, I guess, to, in my writing. But yeah, 
that's not really true for how we speak today and that's not yeah. true for, for really anything about the now. And so I think it, it was good. And I think any writer, if there's people listening who want to write, I think that should be a big focus is to take all the lessons and to really inform your writing by reading. I think that's key. But then to learn actually from what the book is doing to you and how it's making you feel and then how you want to apply that to writing anything yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've probably heard that Neil Gaiman speech that he gave the commencement speech where yeah. he, I, he said something along the lines of you have to, you'll have to sound like a lot of other people before you sound like yourself kind of thing yeah and it sounds yeah that's i mean i did the same thing with video i just picked someone that <laughs> i really liked their style and i just yeah i copied their style for i don't know a good year yeah, or two and like then the, eventually i start i start adding your own twist it was the what's his name picasso quote like great artists steal yeah or whatever yeah. yeah i haven't read that book yet the steal like an artist book have you Steel read like it? an artist yeah i got it here got it right here yeah what are the notes on that it's a good one i don't know yeah it was a good one i think my dad bought it for me um it's decent i it's one of those books where it's like really nice because you can snap through it quickly yeah. and like you can pull like three or four nuggets pretty pretty easily i think i should start reading more nonfiction like that but i find myself like I just have such a crazy list of philosophy and and kind of literature that I'm digging through. But Mm -hmm. it is nice, like a book like that, you know, that's the type of book where I think I got it for Christmas from my mom or dad. And then I was done it like in the afternoon, you know, like you can sift through it. And that is like kind of amazing that you can you can glean like three or four really important things in a short period of time. from And then just come back to it, too. Because for me, I find those books, I almost already, that sounds so lame to say, but a lot of the time I kind of know what I want from it, Yeah. but it's just a reminder. Oh, totally. I think that's true for almost all nonfiction. Yeah. Like if you can highlight, right, and, you know, bookmark and then come back to the things you found important from it. Like, I remember there's a few books that I read, the, the, like, I guess this quote unquote self-help book that helped me the most was um napoleon hills think and grow rich so that's like a book that i'd recommend to everyone i think he wrote that in like 1937 someone will get mad at me and say that's wrong but i think that's pretty close and uh and so when he when he wrote that um i think he kind of almost started his own genre and so i'll read like after reading that book i'll read other books that have kind of come along the lines like some of the ones by like Stephen Covey and, and different people. And they're kind of, I think just flipping the same advice over and over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know what you mean. Just Repackaging it yeah. with a few more modern terms, making it more relatable to a yeah. certain demographic of people. So like, yeah. I think there's value in all of them. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's kind of repetitive. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Well, for a while, it's funny with self-help books. I've always, I've, I mean, it has such a bad name when you say self-help yeah. but realistically a four-hour work week and stuff i've taken a lot yeah, of value from that for sure but the authors that write those books to get to that level it seems like it kind of fucks you up a little bit right yeah, what do you mean to get if you're if you're writing a self-help book a self-help book yeah. but you're on a level where you can't even go to the grocery store without getting harassed by fans oh, your yeah, life yeah. just starts to change and your advice it's really hard to give advice to people that, that people are living a normal life. To. So I always yeah. wonder how many people are living quiet lives that have, would have such great advice, but you'll never yeah. hear from them because they're just doing their thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that's like, that's almost an important question about like how we're helping ourselves or like what we're looking for. So like you say, a lot of these books, Think and Grow Rich is a great example forget who it was. I think it was Andrew Carnegie that was like a family friend of Napoleon Hill. And that was like, one of the world's first billionaires, I think, in Scotland. And he was the one who kind of like prompted him to do this project. And, and it's always just studying like hyper successful people. But what, are, what do we think about when we think of success? You know, like you say, there could be just a, a normal guy who's going about his life in rural Canada, who is just, you know, the happiest, most loving, caring family man, has all of his kind of ducks in a row. And every day he wakes up and does exactly what he wants there's a success to that that I think people don't hear enough about. Like we kind of only hear what is it to be successful in terms of like what we put on a pedestal of like what is great, whether that's like making money, fame, whatever it is. I think that's kind of all we hear. Yeah. And the nature of the success of that guy is also the fact that he's not out there possibly (laughs) 
telling yeah. people, right? He's yeah. just so consumed by what he's doing. It's kind of like the like the presidency in the U.S. where it's like, yeah, totally. You're only gonna get no one who would want that job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I think it's just that that guy's content, you know. So he wouldn't be out there like pushing or like, mm-hmm. writing a book yeah. and like trying to get it through and like yeah. so important to him. Yeah, like even for me, ever since I was little whether it was through sports or like now with anything that I do, I always like dream about and set goals that are most people would consider like absurd. Cause that's mm-hmm. always the goal, right? Like I feel that's just kind of the way my personality works is that if I'm going to try to do anything, it's going to be like to the best, the best period. Yeah. And I think like in that you can lose a lot of the charm of life. And so like, I think sometimes just being content and like having purpose and enjoying things yeah. is better than just, being so driven and like such a focus. fine balance though man yeah because then you sink you set your goals too low or you get too content and that's boring after a week that's that's what it's well so that's where boring. i'm at yeah i think that's just too, everyone though man it's just trying to figure it out and maybe you never do i don't know but do you think it is everyone though because like i feel like there's a lot of people like that i'll run into maybe they yeah. were like that at one yeah. point and maybe it just like maybe they like i guess failed to get there or whatever mm-hmm. happened but like there's a lot of people that seem just like pretty pretty happy with what they have. Uh, well, how much are you hanging out with these people? Yeah, are you I mean, really that's diving true. into? You're, right. yeah. you're seeing them out at Earl's or one of the bars or yeah, just I guess, for moments I think of their it's life. Even like more like you kind of got to take it out of a place like Whistler, which is I think a lot of younger people or a lot of like pretty affluent people. It's like a resort town. You get a lot of tourism. Mm-hmm. Like if you think of somewhere even like Pemberton, which is only like 30 minutes away. I bet you we could find, like, a lot of guys just with, like, a plot of land in, like, their late 40s or whatever whose kids have left happily married. Just, like, just seem like they have a great life. And I wonder if you ask them, like, would you trade this for anything else? And I I bet they might not. Or I don't know. But it seems like they might not. So So are those the people that you're kind of referring to? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, I just think that when we think about, like, we have these goals and we have these just kind of abstractions and we think about what what's going to be and we're always looking for tomorrow and whatever else and i think that sometimes you can get lost in that and you kind of lose what it is that you have like yeah and what's good about it actually i think that even switches into a different conversation about like i think it's better when you're yeah might as well about like social media and uh and just kind of our instant ability to communicate so easily with anybody now mm-hmm. is that like when I look at a lot of the things that I admire, everything takes a lot of time, whether you're making a film, whether you're making a record, whether you're doing anything creatively. And I think that's like getting dangerously lost in this everyday like consumption by yeah. people because you need to put so much time into any piece of art that you want to be really good. But we're like so much more driven to be throwing things out all the time. Yeah. So like you see a youtuber who's who could be this amazing filmmaker documentary filmmaker he's getting all these skills but he's doing a daily vlog and i mean it's nothing against that but that is your day like that's taking up everything you do right yeah and so like i I have two things to say about that yeah first i agree because i found with my own experience in film making is I used to like to put together like a nice long two minute project and I would work on it for a long time. But now I get that same reward of like, I need to create stuff, but I can get that same reward by just going and shooting a quick 15 second video for my Instagram. Yeah. And I just don't need to produce as long stuff anymore. So I let myself off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with that. But then also with the whole people making vlogs things, vlog, it's like we maybe are doing what you were doing with the books where we're just oh, totally. trying to resist yeah, our yeah. time and who's yeah. to say maybe maybe a lot of content every day is good yeah, yeah i don't I guess. know yeah it's like shooting a basketball what do people want know? yeah i don't personally enjoy it right now yeah but i don't know yeah i guess it's just kind of weird because i like you see something like youtube i guess we can just stick to this yeah accelerating and being so popular and watched by so many people but at the same time like i see like like just film in general and like movies that I love. And we have one coming out on Friday, Dunkirk, that's going to have at minimum 500 million people yeah, or dollars in revenue. Um, and so like the cinema still is like this huge part of, of our lives. And like those things take so much work to produce. Right. And I mm-hmm. feel like there's somewhat of a gap between both of them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess that yeah. both can exist in the same space, but when you look at like, 
a gap between putting together work on a daily basis and like really quickly and like working on your cuts and like how you are in front of the camera and being comfortable. Like that is one thing and that's one skill, but then I'm not sure how that transfers like directly into like doing like a full length documentary or feature, I guess. Or how about the value that the audience is getting too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The value that they're getting is probably going to be quite a lot less than something that someone really, really worked on for a long time. Yeah. And like a team of people too. Yeah. A team of people. There's like hundreds of people that go into like the making of a, of a movie. I mean, it segues well into what we were talking about before we started, how crazy podcasting is. How, what is going on with this? If someone's listening right now, there's probably some people listening. There's probably someone who like, (laughs) someone's made it this far. Someone's made it. However, 20 minutes into this, um, like the contrast between little bite sized GoPro clips and then people like me and you who listen, I listen to sometimes I listen to four hours of podcasts a day Yeah, and I love it. I think like, first of all, it seems really weird and odd to predict that like radio would come back. And the only thing different is that like, we have a little bit of autonomy to like scan through and fast forward. Like that's essentially the only thing that's different. I feel like we're making the choice. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like I think people are really excited about being able to multitask. And that is the one thing that like, like podcasting just fit perfectly in that. Like anything else requires your attention, but like, you know, we have like buddies that we were just with who were like, yeah, our landscape during the day. So yeah. I'll just pump out three podcasts because I can do that. Yeah. It's the same thing with audiobooks. Like, I think they're unbelievable. Like, shout out to Audible. Shout out to Audible. <laughs> it's like my favorite we'll app go. ever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like, no, I look at, I look at that and just being able to read a book when I was driving so much. Yeah. It's just like, I could take a book that was like super intimidating. Exactly. And just be like, I'm going to listen to this rather yeah. than like try and read it's 1200 pages and so much faster and and the way you consume a book yeah right now he's holding up a book that (laughs) is the size of what four books should be yeah war and peace by leo tolstoy this one took an audiobook for me to get through so something about audiobooks too i listened i think the first one i listened to was the steve jobs one four years ago and what i i read the book and then i listened to it a couple months later and the way you consume it is so different because you can remember points farther back in the story as you're farther ahead true and link connections because the audio moves faster than you can read i think like that what you just said like how you listen to the audio book after yeah i've done a lot the other way but i think it was the same thing that is so good about that yeah like regardless of how you do it whether you do audio first and you read it next or you're just connecting dots that you might yeah. not have connected before because you just get to consume it twice and then all the things that you know you might have been interested in but that's a pretty big book it probably took you like how long to read it like oh, it took me a long time I'm yeah pretty slow reading but i i yeah. honestly think i listened to the audio in four four days or so yeah, yeah and i was like man steve jobs cried like seven times in this book and i didn't even realize <laughs> when i read it because i was reading it over four months yeah, yeah. man that's a sick book i love yeah that book. that's a really good one he's got a great one with um about ben franklin yeah yeah i recommend it isaacson that's who you're talking about right? yeah, the, yeah so that's the guy who wrote steve, steve jobs. jobs yeah and biography. he wrote a, yeah. another biography about ben franklin which yeah. i recommend to everyone yeah, what's it called I think it's just Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Yeah. That's a pretty good title. It could, it could be different. <laughs> but I could check it out. Yeah. Sweet. But yeah. Podcasting's taken off. And then on the flip side, people are just, and me included, mm-hmm. I just love scrolling through Instagram sometimes and getting a quick hit yeah. <laughs> of content. It's really addicting. So you're, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't checked out Bruin on Instagram, you have over a hundred thousand followers right now yeah a little bit over he's influencer status i guess (laughs) that's a scary scary word yeah it's a scary word tell me Uh, about it i I think uh it could have so much so much good connotation yeah i just feel like um hope ben franklin an american life so there we go googling and podcasting ben franklin an american life all right. I'll so, check it out. so back to like the influencer thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think part of it is like being in the industry and kind of seeing how a lot of people have like operated and, you know, some of the businesses maybe that have been quick to identify that it's a good advertising method and to pour some money into it. But if you're going to be an influencer and if you're going to get like any semblance of a voice publicly, I think we need to do like 
we have an accountability to do a lot more with that voice. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've pretty much failed entirely to do that. And it's been Mm. kind of like a a slow burn into like really figuring out how do I want to do this? How do I want to use like my words with it? How do I want to go to places that I think have stories that really need to be told rather than going to, like I spent a lot of time a year and a half ago in like Western Europe and, and Iceland and I love Iceland. And if you haven't been, I'm like totally recommend it culturally it's super cool but it's also you know a fairly affluent western country with kind of cut off from everything else and it's intriguing but there's maybe not something that i really want to say about it yeah and so for me it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in places like south sudan or yemen right now and you know i think there's a lot of misinformation in places like iran in the middle east and i want to go dig into those stories if i'm going to be in the mountains i'd love to be in like pakistan instead Mm -hmm. of going down to new zealand just to kind of be able to use that platform that I've built for myself for yeah. something a little more than like, hey, this is Whistler. Whistler's dope. And yeah, like, here's which the honestly would build so much faster, right? Yeah, if it you, would. Yeah, for so sure. what I noticed about your posts, at least I've, I've only, well, I've only known you for about a month now. So your most recent posts, they have really good stories going along with them, which is rare yeah. because if you can post a photo of someone diving into a nice lake and you can just nail the caption in three words yeah it's just so much easier to, for people to stomach and give the like totally uh yeah so i i, I really enjoy reading the longer posts see that yours. yeah that's been like part of the process for me like yeah. i guess like i identify to most people even like the photographers that i work with they've always known me like as a writer first so for me like it's not just that I'm not looking for engagement when I post a caption. For me, it's like, if you're going to be a writer, then write something. Like, mm-hmm. put it down there. And if there's, you know, even one twentieth of the people who see it, who actually, yeah. like, dig through it, that means more to me than just, like, yeah, having, like, a quick quip, something yeah. punny. But to get to this point of over 100,000 followers, how did you get there? Did you have to do the snappy lines or was it just through the good photos no i think actually like because i sucked at taking photos at the beginning like, people can scroll through and like they can find like, I'm, gonna, the beginning. I'm gonna go for a deep scroll yeah go for this. a deep scroll yeah. i've cleaned out a bit of it but i wanted to leave like a fair amount just so people could see a progression like if they wanted to do it the, the best thing and biggest thing for me was that i had quite a bit of money saved when i left school which is mm-hmm. unique And I was just like, hey, I'm going to travel. I'm going to go to places that I want to go to. I'm going to live in my Jeep. And so I think especially the living in my Jeep thing, like living in a van has become in the last three years really big. But I think when I started doing it, it was kind of like not a lot of people were. Yeah. How many years ago? Uh, That would have been like, I guess two when I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just going to drive and be in the car. And like if I got buddies places wherever I went. So that's 2015 for people that are listening to this 30 30 (laughs) years from now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So I think like those things were why I initially grew and probably the writing. Like I think at the beginning, I I actually did focus on my captions and it was a strength because the photos were kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. At least that was like long captions. Yeah. Longer, like a paragraph or something. At least something there. But, um, yeah, to be honest, I don't really know why why people followed me at the beginning. But then once they do, and once you it's have committed to it, and like I was living in the car, so I was basically hiking or I was somewhere beautiful yeah. every day. Yeah, it just kind of yeah happens on yeah. its own. But yeah. I think yeah, the having a responsibility as an influencer is interesting because definitely not all of them and i'm not one to talk because i'm the farthest thing from an instagram influencer but (laughs) i think in order for a lot of people to get those numbers yeah it takes a sacrifice of authenticity sometimes maybe i don't know if you agree yeah it seems like most of the time it at least like authenticity is an odd word at least to me but I think it does like stand up like that is what's happening. I mean, there's a lot of people that portray a lifestyle yeah. in order to to get likes or yeah. whatever they're and looking not for. Not straight up knocking them because I realize no. it is a job. And it's, it is it's like it's a good, business. Yeah, yeah good, for good for them for doing it. But I almost feel their pain for yeah. missing out on some awesome moments. Or I th- I think there's like a combination of things for me. Like the the biggest one, the first one, and I think this is like advice that people should definitely take like regardless of what field you're in was that even though the people who dictated um how i would grow or how my engagement would be is the audience and is like a follower the people that i was wanting to be attracted to my work and the people that i wanted to 
you know, get some feedback from that was positive were my peers. Like mm-hmm. it was the photographers I admired. And that was always the mentality. And I figured it like figured out pretty e- pretty soon that those people wanted to see someone challenging something, okay. someone pushing the boundaries, right? Like the people who are at the top of the game as a photographer or on the video side or wherever it may be. And like those things like go right to the top, you know, like if you're doing video, have like have someone like Wes Anderson like come upon your stuff and be like, dude, this is insane. This is super good. Instead of I just think. mimicking Wes Anderson because you like him. Yeah, like saying? well, even even if you take like things from him, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, if you're a videographer, like, I feel like that's where you should be going. Like, as a photographer, even on my computer, I have a big list of of names, and most of them are like Magnum guys. Like, one guy's Alex Soth, and he's probably my favorite yeah. photographer, and he does mm-hmm. a lot of this like really gritty Americana stuff. And I didn't find him on Instagram. I didn't find right. him anywhere. Is he an older photographer? I think he's like 41. He's, yeah. he's one of the younger guys. Is he? Magnum, is he? But big on instagram though or no, no he's not no. yeah he's just like a big name so what yeah. I, that was why i was kind of bringing that connection together is like i hope that if that guy sees some of my work or my yeah. website he'd be like whoa this is pretty cool this is pretty cool or this guy's improving and getting better yeah because those are the people whose opinions like matter to me it's not so much just a regular friend who fought like a regular guy who yeah. follows me you know like yeah. i want them to be interested and i want to you know, give them something they maybe haven't thought of or be able to look at something in a different way or think about something they haven't. But when it comes to like the actual art, like I want those names to stand out. So you just have, right. Yeah. Right now we're looking at a list. Yeah. You have probably 15 names. Yeah. And you just keep that open all the time. Do you actually refer back to it or? Yeah. So like every once in a while, if I'm like having a crisis with photos, I'll go. And a lot of these guys take totally different styled photos, even than I would like a few are portraiture, some are landscape, some are real lifestyle. And then I'll, I'll bring up their website and like, just go through it for a bit. Just actually look at it. I realized that probably like six months ago that my photos and my writing, the one thing I wasn't doing with photography was tying it into my writing at all. Mm -hmm. Like I found that I was a much better writer than photographer and I, I put out way more photos like publicly than I put out writing. And the reason for that was that I was reading books by the best authors, like constantly. Yeah. So I was constantly informing my writing, whereas all of my photography influence for the first couple of years that I shot was coming from essentially Instagram. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I've had this exact talk, you know, Morgan Mawson. Yeah. The surf yeah. photographer. Yeah. And also I think Chris Burkard mentioned it too. Yeah. And we, we talked, he, yeah, both of them, really limit the amount of Instagram people that they follow because yeah. it just becomes a feedback loop in the same way that Netflix is trying to show you the shows that you like and then you're only going to see the things totally. that you like and next thing you know we're all <laughs> we're all just <laughs> we're all watching oh uh, yeah good luck finding over. something new right so taking outside inspiration that Netflix point is like such a good point to bring up and kind of scary like I hate when when I hear anything about how tech can predict or like dictate my thoughts it's really funny because i was a philosophy major and one of my favorite philosophers is spinoza and he's like one of the he's very clear that humans don't have free will like that's one of the points that he makes he's a determinist and so i was always intrigued by that point and i still like there i tend to agree with him in a lot of ways but just the idea that like netflix would think that it would know the best thing for me to watch is like kind of a slap in the face i think it's like, it almost makes me want to watch the one where it's like 50% match and be like, fuck you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to watch this doc. I'm, like, I'm going I'm I'm to sit through this I'm whole thing. force myself. Yeah. Because it. it's just, yeah, it's weird. Because like you say, I mean, then people are just going to be watching popular stuff. Like, actually, just the other day, Moonlight was by far my favorite movie last year. I went to it like when it opened in theaters. Yeah. I'd never been more transfixed by a trailer before. <laughs> Um, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. But, uh, my buddy, Will, who I live with, his dad's a director, a French Canadian director, and like, he's a filmmaker. And so that movie was like something like an 84 match or whatever. And like, there's these other ones that are like 97, you know, a hundred. Yeah. And a lot of that came from the fact that he's watching movies with like roommates and then watching with his girlfriend a lot and they have different tastes and he ended up loving the movie. But sure. If it didn't win an Academy Award, which it did, it had a lot of publicity, yeah. but if it didn't, he might have never even given it a chance because of that. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just have a feeling that the people that work at Netflix are just not philosophers. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They're, <laughs> they they're might just, be, man. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, maybe they just have a different view. Yeah. But 
they're just worried about the next fiscal yeah. year. Yeah, and people making money. Short term. So I, yeah. I mean, if you can just be aware of it, I guess. Yeah, and try. I think and, that's the big. Try trend. and watch those shitty movies whenever you have time. <laughs> I know we all have time to fit in one shitty movie. Yeah, a day. every day you can <laughs> fit in one. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a big feedback loop. It's, but yeah, it's intro- definitely an interesting point with the Instagram, and yeah, I guess the YouTube as well. If you're a filmmaker yeah. or whatever you're into, just trying to get out of your field to get inspiration. Yeah, or just like your like direct peers, you know, like your peers are good. Yeah. And they're important to like work with and learn from, but like you should be focusing on like yeah. the the giants, you know? Yeah. Like think about them, think about their work, absorb their Lasted work. Lasted the test it. of time, right? Yeah. Not for just sure. a blip in the Red Bull sphere. The Red Bull sphere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so in terms of something I try and deal with every day is yeah. discipline and creativity. Yeah. So trying to sit your ass down and do what you're supposed to do and suddenly be creative how do you do it well how do you try and do it because i don't think anyone does it i think everyone's a liar everyone's a liar i know especially like with with writing for sure i find it like a lot easier to just be like okay i'm gonna go for a hike like that's one thing about photography for me with the outdoor stuff is that i just love doing that anyways so i'm kind of just like there's even when I'm at home in Whistler, there's going to be three days a week where I'm in the mountains just because they're close. That's why I'm here. And like, I want to be doing it. But yeah, like when it comes to writing and if you go and look up like quotes from writers, they'll, they'll be about like the fact that it's like bleeding at the page, right? When you're writing, like no one ever talks about it being easy. And if they do, they're a liar. But yeah, I think it's just about holding yourself accountable. So, and however you do that, it's, it's tough. I don't think there's like one size that fits all for is there anything you've got in the mix right now that you're trying to like you're trying to write for three hours a day yeah so like that like I do I kind of found I do my best like my best writing like if I'm working on like a longer project like anytime I'm working on like a book or putting something together and I kind of have just got like a plot summary and a lot of things in place to start doing that but when I do that I find that it's like I'll go on like a 10 hour just sit down and just like work and work and work and I Mm -hmm. do better with like bulk but the thing I've been challenging myself to do lately with writing is that even if it's just writing a poem or writing a sports article or just doing anything something that I might not even use for anything that just getting that done every day it's like just in some way doing something is super key Yeah. yeah that's kind of that's almost this whole podcast operation I've got going on now just to keep doing something right yeah, just yeah, keep make keep putting stuff out there and yeah even if you're not on assignment like making work for yourself is so yeah, important for sure and i think i don't know about you but is that for me making work for myself was huge in getting to where i am now there weren't projects yeah. in the beginning but i just yeah. made stupid little projects that i had to get done for some reason yeah and then eventually that becomes your portfolio and there you go yeah that was like yeah that was like the first year of me shooting photos yeah like i actively i remember the first little bit when I was freelancing once I kind of felt like I was at a a point where my work was of a high enough quality I was like grinding so hard to get jobs and to Mm -hmm. be out there shooting for businesses and and whatever like kind of making it feel more like I had a real job and then I realized I was like what are you doing you're not getting better you're not figuring out what it is you want to do you're not you're not attracting the right clients with this mentality like you're Mm -hmm. not this isn't the direction you need to go. So even though I was working with some pretty cool companies and some pretty big ones, like I would never drive a Mercedes Benz. So why am I shooting for this company? Like there's no, it'd be the last car you would ever see me in. And so that was like a, I had to, I had to figure out that like, okay, you just need to figure out what you want to do and go and shoot it all the time. Mm -hmm. And so for like, yeah, six months to a year, that was essentially like you say, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to Montana and like, these are the seven things I'm going to do while I'm there. And then you blast that out and, you create that portfolio like you say and then you can go and like work with or reach out to the people you want to yep. and your work will kind of reflect that and what it is but as a guy so that's tough for like that's one of the big challenges with with freelancing is that people have priorities and bills and mm-hmm. money like mm-hmm. if i hadn't just been <laughs> yeah living, but man people have priorities bills and money <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the, the kind of some stuff they need to do yeah um yeah but so, some people don't right some people that yeah. think 
if they're in first year university and I'm sure they're busy with everything, yeah. but the number of people that I, I did, like I would mentored in this program, I was yeah. still pretty young when I did it, yeah. but they gave a grant to people in between grade 12 and first year university yeah. to start their own business. And a lot sure. of those kids were doing, they were doing cool stuff. And then I was asking, what are you thinking for long term? Are you going to keep this going? And they, they all said, no, I'm going to do my university degree. And then once I'm done, I can start on my big plan to start my company, Yeah, which is just oh, every year you get older, the more screwed you are to do your own thing. Well, just, you get the car. And yeah. And you get it's It's not house. even like as much the age is just all of like the stuff the, yeah like society yeah. just kind of crumbles in yeah. upon you as you get into your definitely man like you i'm in like i'm in the heart of my mid-20s right now and yeah. i, I kind of feel like i it wasn't a mistake like looking back at it moving yeah. to Whistler because i i knew why i did it in the first place and like i finally had like enough kind of financial flexibility where if there's like a whole month i was gone sure. i'm not going to beat myself up about having to pay rent you know mm-hmm. um but yeah like even I, I was thinking a lot about like why why am I paying for this place and like why am I not just oh doing the stuff I was doing last year and, and everything because I've started to notice already it's like okay you get rent and then you have like a few other bills like I have a I have a car payment like there's different yeah. stuff and it's just like why am I doing this like I'm yeah. so you get more and more bogged down like you say you do every year but yeah. then sometimes that can be a plus because it gets yeah. you moving true so yeah. just like everything else it's just yeah. trying to find out yeah, what get, like, works focused, for you, you gotta yeah. grind a bit harder you realize that you have to make some money this month and you'll end up taking on more work or something like that <laughs> that'll lead to something good maybe. yeah yeah for sure yeah. it's a fine balance it's funny like just thinking about the word i was thinking a lot about the word like creative or like the thing about being a business person a creative or an artist and i think they're all like three very different things and like mentalities like when i hear someone who's creative i think that that's kind of ruining a word that's really great like to talk about it is like the thing you do like it's weird it's like creativity and imagination are super important i think the best part is the name of this podcast is creative journal and i just whipped it out yeah but uh, but that's not that's not like that's what you're talking about creativity you're not talking about like yeah uh, but but, yeah go on but so like like there's artistry there's like the creative like kind of field where i think it is a little more oriented towards business whereas like if someone identifies them as an artist, like you, you just get the picture of that person in your oh, head, yeah. you know, very principled, very, yeah. a lot of idealism and like very hungry. Yeah. But maybe not, <laughs> but definitely not in a business sense. I think mm-hmm. most of the time. And then you get a creative who I think kind of flutters in and out between, between both. And then you have like just full on someone who's focused totally on business. Yeah. And I think if you do really want to be an artist and you want to be true to that, it's not impossible to, have the business side of things Mm. kind of covered and work but i think it is really important to balance out how you do that because i've seen so many people who went into like freelance work be being a really passionate or or like really high quality photographer putting out amazing work yeah and then you can slowly start to see it like seep into just being a job just like anything else you know like their lives change a little bit and their focus has changed and then all of a sudden they're they're just like a business person. They're yeah. not an artist at all anymore. Yeah. They're not taking photos for themselves. They're not doing these things. And I think like short term, especially monetary gain when you're in any creative field is like, can be like a really negative thing. Yeah. Like it can be super positive and it can open doors for you. And if that's like, if you have intention and like, that's what you want to do with the money you make, that's okay. But like you say, Anytime you make a little bit more money, anytime you get a little bit more comfortable with a certain like size paycheck or bank account, you're going to start to make purchases with it. You're going to start to, you know, spend more money just during the week going out for different things. And you, you kind of get lost in that. And I think if you're not careful, that can really take over what it was you started doing whatever you're doing in the first place for like, if you want to be a filmmaker you're probably going to have to go through some like shit times. Like it's probably going to have to be like a battle and you're going to be, your life is going to be your work. And I think that should be good. Yeah. Or on the flip side, maybe you do enjoy the being more of a businessy filmmaker, photographer, and that works too. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's, I don't know, but, or just trying to think of what you want in five years. Yeah, exactly. That's, reverse engineering that i think is yeah dude it's the best tool (laughs) yeah but like that that focus right i think when you do have like a five-year goal or plan in mind 
just like be honest to that and who gives a shit what anyone thinks mm. you know like people who will say anything like yeah. when i look on instagram and there's a few guys who i can tell for sure they're just going to these banger spots they're getting good photos yeah. they're traveling a ton like all they're trying to do is give themselves the freedom to not work anymore yeah. and to create this life as a job because they love travel, they love a bit of luxury. Mm-hmm. And like, who am I to judge that? Like, yeah, that's exactly. not my thing at all. But like, fucking rights, dude. Like, go out and get it done. Yeah. Like, honestly. But that's pro. That's that's only true. I think if they know like where they want to go. Yeah. Like I just I think intention is the most important thing in life. Yeah, and like, it doesn't have to be concrete. You'll make a plan five years ahead. Yeah. And I mean, I'm definitely still young. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to change so many of my opinions and values yeah, and dude. stuff, but that's okay. Yeah. Just feeling confident in the way that you're heading now. Yeah, for sure. Allow it to change if you want. Yeah. The yeah. ebbs and flows just of life. Yeah. Yeah. They'll come. Some great self-doubt in there too, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's always course. healthy. Yeah. That's probably the most important <laughs> yeah. thing to being creative is being super self-destructive. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, questioning everything. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that it's the people that are too confident in their work that usually suck. Oh, for <laughs> if sure. you're doubting That's yourself, true. there's a better chance that you're, that you're getting somewhere that you're, you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. I've never, I've definitely never really like read a quote or like heard an interview or like just anything, watched a, a clip of anyone who I really, really admired artistically. And, and they were just like, yeah, I'm the best. Like, I'm just yeah. like, this is super easy for well, me. You're not Kanye fan? Easy for you. <laughs> I, don't, I even I think like behind closed doors I think he's like super vulnerable about a lot of things. I think he builds up a facade. I oh, think yeah, 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 yeah. That's the only reason you could act like that, right? <laughs> totally. I don't think you could actually have like like that arrogance to me. Just seems like a yeah, like a wall he builds up to just like kind of help himself actually create things. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like. I think he's for sure doubting. Yeah, but most of what he does. If you act like that for long enough eventually it becomes the truth you start believing <laughs> it yourself man he might yeah. inception himself into being this hero that is like it's a that's actually an interesting like part of like just a conversation of like you know of course you have to Sounds have like way a better certain when you amount up close like that a certain amount of confidence <laughs> in your work yeah but but like you do have to draw the line where like being confident in yourself and what you're putting out there i think makes better work but then obviously you just don't want to have the arrogance that makes you assume that what you're doing is really good because that seems like a slippery slope. So that was like, that kind of came full circle, like just adding Kanye to the equation, right? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think always being doubtful because it just means that you're moving forward. You're trying to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. So Uh like you got this, you got this, I'll answer it too probably. (laughs) You've done this podcast and you're obviously trying to work with people whose work either like you admire or like buddies and just talking. But like, if you could have like ideally anybody come on the show as like just someone whose creativity and imagination yeah. you like really admired like who would it be it'd be like, elon, musk. And elon musk i'll tell you why okay. it's, I, it's not really why you might think i don't want to have some high up crazy intellectual conversation with him yeah because i'm not an engineer yeah i want to have a civilian like me yeah. who's i'm not the smartest guy yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm stupid either. I'm like right, right in the middle. <laughs> and I just want to ask him questions that probably a lot of people would like to hear the answer to instead of yeah. just an interview with him where he's talking about something that we can just barely grasp, barely like grasp, pistons yeah. in a rocket ship or something. So I think that would be a good one. But yeah, that's it. That's for sure. Again. Yeah. Who would you have a combo Who would with? I? Yeah. I think mine would be like. I guess Marlon Brando's dead, but I always thought Marlon Brando we can was bring super him back. cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll bring we him can back bring him back. What age I always you want? found him super interesting. I think like old and beat up and mm. like worn down Marlon yeah. Brando. Yeah, like oh, something. Yeah. Like for sure, like a decade past The Godfather. Just there's yeah. so much to that guy. He had so much, like he had everything so early and he was just like, you know, already considered one of the greatest actors after On the Waterfront and... And then he just takes this crazy, like, 10-year hiatus. He just went to Polynesia and, like, lived there, had his Whoa. kids and family there. Just totally disappeared from At Hollywood. I don't know, but it was, like, the prime of his career. He just had, before The Godfather, he mm-hmm. had, like, this 10 years where he was just, like, fuck you to Hollywood and just, like, left and, like, went to this paradise that he thought was the best place in the world and yeah. just stayed there. Oh, I would love to hear his opinion on those two opposite lives that he lived. Yeah, this juxtaposition yeah. that he yeah. had. 
Yeah, and like so for someone just and then he was so tortured, like you could see it into his later life and like through his sexuality and like some of the things he would do publicly, like he was such an outspoken advocate for whether it was like in the civil rights movement, not a lot of people knew that. And then when he had I don't want to butcher her name, but when he didn't go to the Academy Awards and had I think it was oh god, I'm gonna get in trouble. I think it was a black feet first nations woman but anyways there was something to do with um aboriginals at the time i think in oh i definitely got that wrong because i think it was in like nevada mm-hmm. but and and he had her do the acceptance speech for him because he didn't want to be there because he didn't agree with what was going on in hollywood like yeah. this was the type of guy i feel like who he would definitely not have gone this year with the travel ban and with all of the yeah. all of the Islamophobia going on. And I think we like even though he wasn't super public about that stuff, it would be nice to have more of like our famous people and these people with clout, like really standing up for things they believe yeah. in. Yeah. So and the key the key to that is the fact that he really didn't have to do that. No. He was so accepted and yeah, he easily could have just, you know, go in, have some nice cold drinks with your friends yeah. and everyone, no one would care. You'd be almost celebrated more for that than going against cases, it. In most cases, he got killed at the yeah. time for like yeah, the choices exactly. he would make. Like in the moment, he was getting crucified by yeah. media and stuff, but he didn't care. Yeah. Like he's just like, no, this isn't okay. I'm not cool with this. Fuck yeah. you. But, but yeah, for someone to get to that level and still have... No, I said level twice. Level, such a level head. Yeah. But I think that's really hard to do as well. Yeah, like the humility right? and like to realize that to be, you're just in to a To become bubble. an actor that famous yeah. takes a lot of focus, I'm sure. Oh. I don't really know his history. It's got to be such a weird, like acting of everything has to be such a weird abstraction. Like you're, you play these roles and so I guess you can hide behind those roles. So maybe it's easier to kind of remember like who you are when you're not acting. But like some of those character actors like daniel day lewis and Mm -hmm. who just gets so deep into who they're portraying like whether it was lincoln for him i don't know like i feel like i'd get a i'd lose my grip on have you ever been to hollywood before (laughs) yeah it's true it's a crazy place it is a crazy place it just feels weird something about the air something about the air (laughs) i don't know (laughs) the haze maybe it's all the dust yeah it could be the dust no i don't know it's just yeah that's just a weird I guess that, like, one of the modern versions of that that I, might even be kind of worse is, like, if you're, if you're like, doing a lot of, like, vlogging and stuff for the camera, mm. you're playing a character, but you're also playing... That character is you. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. That, or, but you probably have to amp up your character in some sort of way yeah, to yeah. get traction. But and then that becomes you. It's kind of like what we said about Kanye, where you make yeah. a new person for yourself and you start to believe it. But Yeah, but that's, like, super crazy to me. Yeah, like the, because you you want to present something in the best way possible, mm-hmm. but that that person that you start presenting, if you do that long enough, that is just like it becomes. Could a, that be a good thing? There is a question. I think it could, right? Be. Yeah, because you hold it, yourself to being the, hopefully a better person, but maybe not. It sounds. It sounds when you hear it, like like immediately, it sounds like oh, this is like kind of a bad thing, you know? That's kind of fucked. But I guess even for me, I I think I kind of like did that most of my life. Like I would. I remember being a teenager and just pulling from inspiration of like things I admired or yeah. stuff that I wanted to be in. Like that was how I made the decisions. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's really not that much different. Like, here's a question for you. Yeah, you were playing hockey at a high level. I'm yeah. sure you had really, really close friends. Yeah, and they're probably still close. Yeah, to become this writer, yeah. separating yourself from who you're supposed to be in everyone else's life. Mm-hmm. which even I do, I expect, I write stories for who people are in my life probably, yeah. right? And it, you're supposed to show up at hockey and you're supposed to want to be pro for the rest of your life. That's yeah. who you are to me. Yeah. And now you're going to go try and write this book. I don't believe you should do that. I think it's wrong. Did you experience anything like that? It was funny. I think I experienced less of that for the writing than the photography, partly yeah. because like once I started posting on Instagram and doing that, that was like really, really public like the whole exactly. time. Exactly, yeah. But I, I think this is a weird one because people always want to hear that you got like so much support and motivation from everyone. Like I remember I got killed by my buddies for it. Like I got like harassed, like yeah. made fun of, like constantly. Yeah. And I think that like that noise coming from like a lot of people that I really cared about created like an armor for me. And I think that's mm. like super important for people mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people really struggle with like the vulnerable part of anything creatively. 
so yeah like when these guys would just get on my case for different stuff and they would they'd be ruthless sometimes which was kind of like a locker room thing yeah and like that was like once i could take it from them like no one could say anything to me that was like negative or whatever it was just like all right i'm doing this i have my reasons why i really love it yeah and there's nothing you can say about it but do you think it made it easier when you officially cut it and went traveling so you can be kind yeah. of whoever you want to be. And yeah. Like you go meet a new person For and you sure. say, I'm a writer and they're like, okay, he's a, he's a writer. For sure. That's fine. Yeah. True. But it's kind of like you travel. got your, got your armor in the locker room and then yeah. you put your backpack on and you head out <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. Europe and yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Cause the one thing I remember being kind of frustrated by afterwards was like, it was a really weird thing and it came from like some part, some family members and then also like a lot of like my peers that I had played hockey with or kids mm-hmm. I went to school with who the guys who were or people who had so much doubts about the decision or who thought I was like being an idiot or who were just like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like you said at the beginning, once I got like this certain amount of like clout. So like once I had like, you know, 50,000 followers or something that I could point to where people could like associate now success with it rather Mm -hmm. than something that was just like seems super risky or just like careless yeah then like everyone's opinions changed yeah which was like really that was the hardest thing to deal with so like taking the ribbings at the beginning was super easy for me when you got to the point where it was like all these people who were initially like the most doubtful and like the most like hard on you about it or even like kind of just brutal about it they were the ones who were all excited to hear about your career and like all this and it's like dude where did this change yeah like it's like that it's like exactly that starving artist like you think about actors you know like some guy decides he's gonna move to hollywood and everyone his family and friends like you're an idiot it's never gonna work you're just gonna be another failed actor and then the minute that they start to taste some sort of success Mm -hmm. and they get a big role or whatever everyone's just on the train like mine's obviously a more minor version of that but it is kind of that that was a harder thing to deal with it was really odd yeah well if you think back to high school i can imagine like a number of kids that started trying to make it as a rapper or something like that (laughs) and just how much shit they got from everyone but yeah they i don't know and that's but that's the thing too it's kind of like those are pylons or things that you have to run against and if you can't deal with that yeah you're not going to make it to the top because there's no there's going to be a lot more people waiting to tell you you suck (laughs) well i think like the big thing about that too like whether it's high school or like in university or when whether it's coming especially when it's just coming from people whose opinions you care about if you can get through their opinions yeah then like any other negative feedback Mm -hmm. loop that you feel later like from the public or whatever Mm -hmm. that just becomes super unimportant you know because if you can fight through like your buddies in high school being like dude what are you doing yeah. being a rapper or whatever like yeah. are you serious and you can just keep working hard and keep going to the studio and keep doing whatever it is you're doing mm-hmm. then like anyone else's opinion in the future is just going to be so much more insignificant yeah. like I feel like those are people have a really really odd desire to bring other people down to their level yeah. I think you can kind of see that everywhere yeah. like but at the same time when that happens and people fight through it I think like once you get through those initial walls you can kind of just like everything else is going to be gravy. Yeah. Well, maybe not gravy. Drop like, the weights and just start running. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. Forrest Gump, you know. Yeah. With the uh, with the leg locks. Yeah. So you had a good amount of confidence though back then. I think that's the or like so, a vision and idea of what you wanted later down the line. Well, I think even like the confidence thing, like in general, comes back to that same kind of like locker room mentality and like just how growing up around sports and being an athlete like Mm -hmm. my best friends and i were always in competition with Mm -hmm. one another like constantly Mm -hmm. and the confidence that we all have was bred from that competition so like probably helped you then totally just like just beating each other at some things and like losing a lot and being humbled by that and like figuring out what it is that you really want to want to work on and succeed in and then throwing all of that energy and hard work and confidence you had built up into it Mm -hmm. i think that's like the biggest value of sports Mm actually like for me just just um yeah there's all these like things that they tell you you're going to take with you for the rest of your life and i think in a lot of cases having grown up and seen them looking back a lot of those things are really weird and like have a lot to do with social control you know buying into a team and all these other things but if you just take sports for face value it's just competition and i think once you learn how to want to win 
at anything and then how you learn to deal with loss mm -hmm. and how you learn to realize, you know, that when you lose, it's not a reflection directly on you. And when you win, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like that breeds a lot of confidence. Yeah. I think that's super important. Yeah. Just repetitive failure yeah, man. at a young age. Well, because that's nice. like, that's kind of what, what happens like through the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like and sure. if you're not comfortable with those failures and if it kind of every one of them takes a chip at like yeah. you and everything, I think you're in a pretty dangerous, yeah, like, fragile really place. Cause, like, it's why, why wouldn't you just stay at home? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't deal with that. Because if you're afraid to fail, then like when it inevitably happens, that's like a shitty place to be in. Yeah. Right. But like if you just, yeah, if you learn how to do that, pretty much got it in the bag, I think. So you've got it in the bag. He's got it in the bag, everybody. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. You've yeah. got the tools to keep moving forward. Yeah. It's the tools you got in yeah, the bag. You got not. the tools. Yeah, you just go. gotta, doesn't mean you can summit the mountain. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. For cool. sure. You still yeah. gotta go get up. So yeah, what's, what's next? What's the plan? I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm kind of flying, flying low this summer. I have a project that might be coming up. That'll be pretty cool. And then I'll be in Alberta in like September. Yeah. And then I think, hopefully if everything goes pretty well i'll be doing pan america this winter which will be Oof. pretty sick yeah nice. so i'm excited for that it's like as much as i enjoy kind of you know settling down an injury routine i yeah. really just miss the road right now yeah like i miss just getting out there and every day kind of being new and different mm -hmm. i find i work i work way better from the road which is super counter maybe just in people. smaller windows more effectively yeah like yeah. you just manage your time really well yeah and like i also find that for like writing or photo editing especially if i'm in the truck when i was doing it i had a generator and other things and so there's no internet yeah which was pretty handy because yeah. when you have internet it's a pretty easy way to get distracted and whenever you need to like if you ever need anything urgent like especially as a photographer usually the middle of the day is i'm not really shooting yeah so i'll just go and like you get a four hour pocket in the middle figure out ways to slow down so you actually appreciate a place and yeah like i was just recently in bishop which is in california mm -hmm. and it's a super super cool place for bouldering right by mammoth if you like to ski uh, or board and uh and yeah it was just like it was fun being there for like three weeks just because you kind of get a feel for it. Like mm -hmm. You get a feel for the place. You find your favorite yeah. place to eat. You find a cool coffee shop. And then right as it starts getting normal, you leave. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. It's nice. So. Yeah, but like when you when you can go back or when you can like have a buddy be like, oh, I'm going to California. Where should I go? And you can be like, you should definitely go here. Or like check out yeah. this diner. It's the best sandwich in town or whatever else. Like those things are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Cherish those things. Those are like the real memories from traveling. I think that's one thing that, people do like i see a lot of people doing lately that's i think in my opinion not the best way and that's to just go and try to see a bunch of things yeah. quickly yeah like yeah I agree. Would, yeah just yeah. like if you because if you do that and you can well, see a few things one thing with traveling that i've noticed is just having constant internet connectivity while traveling personally i'm not a fan because yeah. man as soon as i go on instagram and I check someone's story. If I'm in Hawaii, somewhere beautiful, and then I see that all my friends are floating down the lake, yeah. for a moment, I catch myself being kind of jealous or something, yeah, which like is ridiculous because I'm exactly where I want to be. Yeah, that's but, so true. But, I mean, some people really like it, and that's sweet. Yeah. Just for myself, I find shutting it off here and there is kind of cool. For a long time, when I was in, the, I'd be in the States for like a month. Like I lived in Montana for a couple months last year. And I just wouldn't get an international plan. Yeah. And it was super nice. Like if you're in Canada and you're out of service for like, or you have your phone off for like four days, yeah, you'll fire it back up and people will be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, like, what, happened to you? what were you doing? Where were you? Like, are you okay? Are you alive? And it's like, of course, like I didn't die. Yeah. It's not, but there's this weird kind of paranoia. And I found it was so nice. Like I could tell, I could tell like my girlfriend at the time, like, Hey, I just don't have service. Like when I get yep. back to Wi-Fi, like I'll you have so you. much to talk about when you get back. It's <laughs> yeah, great. It's like, right. Instead I don't have to play by place. Yeah. Yeah. So I just would never get, I would never get a plan. Yeah. And I'd just be like, or right. if you're waiting for your friends or you're waiting outside a shop or something, you start reaching in your pockets for your phone and then you realize that you're stuck with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you have to just look around <laughs> at things and just kind of see yeah. what people are doing. Yeah, you might have to like refresh watch or yeah. just like enjoy what yeah. you see for a little while. A little that's bit of boredom. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we missed that, dude. Right on. Well, what are we at? 
Hour three. Hour three. That's pretty dope. It's pretty good, man. That's good. Yeah. Glad we did that. For sure. Yeah. Well, people will check you out on Instagram. At <laughs> Yeah, you don't can see I'm doing a little prayer right now. At Bruin Alexander. Yeah. B R U I N. Yeah. Like the Boston Bruins. Mm. Same. He's also a sports writer. Check out his column. <laughs> yeah. Haven't cool. been that for a while. Alright. Thanks, Sam. Sweet. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed it, you can head over to iTunes. Feel free to subscribe, or you can check out the website, and we also post these podcasts on YouTube. If you enjoyed it, you can leave a review on iTunes, and you can also subscribe to the monthly email. Uh